Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snowett. Take a dose of every day But how am I supposed to stay In a world built on empty ways And the lessons of all the rage Thank you for downloading the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. This is Series 2, Episode 48 with Dave McKenna of Douglas Outdoors. This podcast is being brought to you by Douglas Outdoors, a leading industry engineering and design team which have gotten together with the legendary conservation family to bring a fresh approach to the building of fishing rods and reels. Douglas Outdoors did not evolve from a pre-existing enterprise. It is an entirely new initiative bringing together the most experienced practitioners to found a fresh legacy of new tackle that pushes both science and practice of angling. Douglas Outdoors will apply the same diligence and innovation to all its enterprises. Rod and reel design, customer service, and their merchandising programs will bring an improved product and partner to the water and to the fishing business. Please enjoy this podcast, again, brought to you by Douglas Outdoors. For those uh, checking in with us now, do you want to introduce yourself and where you're from and if you have a celebrity doppelganger that people could try to picture you okay um my name is dave mccann i'm the national sales manager with douglas outdoors before that i managed a very busy popular fly shop that specialized in spay and outfitting and uh hosting trips and catskills fly fishing out of uh, new jersey here and uh, i've been with douglas now for a few months and working with him on and off for about a year uh, helping him you know, develop some products and giving them feedback on things before I came on full board. For those of you who don't know who Douglas Outdoors is, uh, we manufacture our own fly rods, conventional fishing rods, um, and fly reels being manufactured in upstate New York in the Pulaski area near the Salmon River, which the uh, Barclay family uh, owns, who also owns Douglas Outdoors. So we're, uh, you know, founded uh, by a family that's really involved in conservation uh, that wanted to uh, create a really special uh, fishing company. So fantastic! Yeah. So I think the way this podcast will go, we'll talk about you know, some of your background, 
places you've been to, which is pretty exciting, and your fishing. And then we'll go into Douglas Outdoors and, and talk all about those rods and how people can get their hands on them. Sounds good. All right. So when did you start fly fishing? Uh, I was probably around six or eight years old. My father you know, got into fly fishing and through one of his uh, good friends and into fly tying. So he actually taught me how to tie my own flies uh, before I was really fly, you know, throwing a fly rod. I was always into entomology and bugs and the outdoors as a kid. I grew up um, out in Hackettstown, New Jersey, right near the Muskinacong River and the Pequest and some, you know, the south branch of the Raritan, some really good, you know, rivers out there and, uh, you know, a short drive from the Catskills. So I, uh, I became pretty obsessed at an early age, you know, fished every, every day I could, you know, as a kid. So I've been doing it for, I'm 33 now, so over 20 years. All right. You know, tying and fishing. What was the first fly you tied? Do you remember? Uh, it was a, yeah, it's still down on my, uh, on my father's uh, tying desk. It's a, that was my next question. Yep. It's a, uh, it's a really, really buggy looking little caddis uh, pupa. Back then when I started tying with my dad, I mean, we really tied simple flies, mostly caddis pupa and, and different shrimp patterns for the Pequest and Muskinekong. And uh, it was a little tan uh, caddis pupa. Are those rivers named by the Native Americans that used to live there? Yes, I believe they are. Nice. Okay. I try to tell people that Potomac River translates to River of Plastic. (laughs) But it really just means River of Swans in the language that was spoken here way back in the day. Much nicer than your version. (laughs) Yeah. It is covered in plastic. All right. So you seem to have... So for those that are listening, we've known each other through the fly fishing show at Somerset for a couple of years now where I spend a lot of money on tie materials. In fact, I just just dropped a couple hundred tonight on a hairline order. Oh, good for you. Woo, yeah. <laughs> and then um, you've got a penchant for flats fishing. You want to talk about how you got into fishing in those clear turquoisey waters? Yeah. I, uh, where, where have you been and, and the fish you chase? I, uh, I grew up in you know, in New Jersey, but my mother, uh, has a lot, her side of the family, a lot of them, I mean, she's from Cuba and her, uh, relatives and most of her side of the family are down in Florida. So, you know, from an early age as a child, we, you know, went down to Florida, you know, every summer we did our uh, family vacations down there and they all love to fish. So they got me into, you know, fishing for snook and redfish and sea trout, you know, in and around Tampa and, uh, tarpon, you know, when those are around and then, you know, the offshore stuff we do a lot of too. But, um, you know, even ever since I was a little kid, we were you know, using conventional gear to catch that stuff. But, you know, as I got older in my teens and stuff and got better at casting and everything, I started bringing a fly rod down there, you know, catching a little snapper and stuff like that, which is pretty easy to do. You know, as I got older, I started really targeting the redfish and the snook. And, you know, after college, I started taking trips uh, to nicer places and, uh, I always had a real interest in, you know, the flat stuff, like the bone fishing, the tarpon, the permit. As I, you know, got more and more into it, I started tying flies for it and taking trips. When I, you know, went to the shop, I started actually hosting trips. So I was able to bring, uh, you know, groups of people down to the Bahamas. Uh, we fished in Andros a few times. Uh, I've been down there, fished the, the Keys down in Florida fished the Baja for rooster fish, uh, also down in Costa Rica chasing rooster fish. And most recently, I just got back not too long ago from a trip down to uh, Guanaja, Honduras, chasing permit I hosted a, a trip down there for. And that was a, a lot of fun. So I've been, you know, around people who, you know, were into that for a really long time. I outfitted a lot of people at uh, the fly shop uh, that I was with Tightlines Fly Fishing. And been doing it for you know the past probably 10 years do you have a preference for any of those spots that you could go back to and and for what reasons i would say uh honduras for sure actually i um you know just booked another week to take a a group down there uh for next year around the same time it was uh it was really a lot of fun we got to see just a, a lot of diversity in the fishing down there we had uh, shots at everything. If you wanted to chase permit, uh, first thing, you know, we went for permit. If there was a guy who 
wanted to catch some bonefish, we could go for bonefish. There was tarpon. Uh, there was big jacks, you know, right in front of the lodge. You know, we had permit, you know, tailing right there. There was just a, a lot of opportunity to see uh, different kinds of fish. What kind of food did they serve you down there? Incredible. Local, fresh caught every day, um, either shrimp, lobster, fresh fish. Or I would starve. It was just, I don't want to. I don't, <laughs> I don't need to that. really incredible. You know, the food down there, all local stuff. We had a, a team of women at the lodge that were there to cook us breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And uh, every meal was better than the last. Yeah, no, it, was, it was an incredible place. So, so out of all this traveling, you've probably got packing pretty down to exactly what you need. Mm-hmm. What would you say people do need for flats kind of tropical fishing and what should they just completely leave behind all right so i guess we'll kind of start with the uh the gear you know we'll talk about rods douglas rods well any kind of rod you know uh, uh, douglas rods are great no the uh you want to fast you want to look for a rod uh, that you can cast well that can generate high line speed quickly uh wind is a big factor and to kind of combat that you need a rod that can throw a tight loop um sometimes it needs to be able to throw a line up you know, an eight weight rod is great if it can throw an eight weight line and then in a pinch it can throw a nine weight line. Um, we need a little bit more mass to, to get through the wind. So I would say faster action rods that could throw that you could throw a tight loop with. You know, the Douglas Sky was a great rod. We've thrown that, uh, caught everything from permit, bonefish, you know, a huge variety tarpon. And actually there's a there's a guy down in Honduras that now owns one and, and uh, one in the Bahamas that owns one. So <laughs> they like those rods a lot after they try them out. Um, you know, reels, you want to think about a reel that's going to pick up line very quickly. These are fish that uh, move fast. They can cover a lot of water quick. Um, so something that's going to pick up your line fast and that's got a very good, smooth seal drag. Um, that is very important. When these fish take off, uh, make their second run after you've got the drag kind of bound down on them, you think they're done and they take off again. If that's not a smooth drag, you're going to break fish off. Gel spun backing is really important when you get into your backing. You have fish that are swimming around barnacles and mangroves. That standard Dacron backing can cut pretty quick or pretty easily. You lose your whole line, the whole fish. So you definitely want good gel spun backing. And then a great variety of flies. You know, every guide's going to have uh, a small selection uh, of flies. But be prepared to, to have everything that you want with you. You know, your leaders. You don't want 9 to 12 foot liters, generally fluorocarbon uh, is best, and you want to have all your tippet with you, you know, your lines. Figure out what you cast best. Uh, some people, you know, throw a quick shooter uh, better than they do a standard line into the wind or when they're making long casts. So, um, and then clothing, you just want the lightest weight clothing possible uh, that's breathable and, you know, UV resistant. If you're going to places now in Central or South America, you want to be aware of, uh, you know, the mosquitoes. So you want to have possibly uh, some bug-resistant uh, clothing, too, if that's something that you're concerned about. Now, we have this Zika thing that's been, been going around. Yeah. Was that a worry when you were down there? Um, originally, it was just because of, you know, the country we were going to. But uh, Flyfish Guanaja is about 40 miles off the coast of Honduras. And the lodge itself is on about an acre and a half. They were spraying weekly for it. I, I personally didn't give it by a single mosquito. You know, but I was conscious. I was wearing, you know, bug repellent, you know, covering up. But we didn't have. I think there's, I think there's more mosquitoes in my yard than all of Honduras. Uh, Right now, I just bought. Yeah, I just bought one of those propane mosquito traps today. (laughs) See if that damn thing works. If it does, I'm gonna go around the neighborhood and just be like. 20 bucks for an hour, dude. I'll put it in your front yard. Let me know because my backyard just exploded with mosquitoes after this rain we got. Yeah. That's, yeah, no, but, uh, you know, I just want to, you know, be smart. What about footwear as flats boots? Yeah. Uh, do you like the kind that of have like Velcro and cinch or just like pull on ones? Would you ever recommend somebody going down like a pair of Chaco sandals? No, absolutely not. Uh, you definitely want to have your feet and ankle full, feet and ankles fully protected. Um, now, there's, there's really two basic kinds of flats boots. You know, one's going to be more like a wading boot that you wear with a, you know, a heavier neoprene sock. Uh, Sims makes, you know, their flat sneaker. Um, you know, Patagonia's got some. You know, 
most of the waiting uh, shoe companies have some kind of options there. If you're going to be at a place that's got a lot of coral, um, or you're going to be doing a lot of waiting, I would recommend getting more of a, a waiting boot type of uh, flats boot. If you're going to be in the boat most of the time, it's not. It's fine to have you know a, a zip it booty or you know a flats booty that's like a neoprene zip up with a you know reinforced sole. But if you're around coral, you definitely want more of a, a rugged kind of sneaker, lace up boot. You know, sea urchins they can they'll go right through neoprene. So you want. To- oh, I've stepped on one with a bare foot before. <laughs> oh, I can't even I- imagine. It was pretty awful. It was a pencil urchin, so just one like pencil went through my foot. Oh! And my dad went and grabbed my mom's like eyebrow tweezers. <laughs> he he like pulled it out with that, and it was awful. That's brutal. And that, then I didn't have any more summer vacation. I was stuck <laughs> in my grandma's, watching like old people TV in Florida. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. Price is right all day. Pretty much. <laughs> Uh, what about your sunglasses? What's your choice of optics? Um, I've got two choices. I like Costa and Smith. You know, I've been using Costas for a really long time. You know, go down to Florida a lot. That's kind of what everybody wore down there. It seemed like for the flats, I would say their green mirrors are a fantastic choice, or their their coppers, or their silver mirror. Uh, really, you know, in the glass, you can't beat them. Uh, Smith has some really, really great options now too for flats fishing conditions. Uh, let's see, we wore, I was with. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. We wore the Rose Igniters. I really like those a lot for the low light conditions. Their yellow lenses are really, really nice also. Yeah, I, yeah, I met two brothers up at a Orvis Guide Rendezvous that I think they're somewhere in Pennsylvania, or maybe it was Connecticut. But all they wear is the Smith Yellows. Every, every condition, that's all they wear. They're pretty incredible. I mean, I... For trout fishing, I think you can get away with those yellows for just about every condition. When you really get like a high sun, you know, no cloud cover, uh, eight hours on the flats can be like murder on your eyes. So I I would have a a darker backup um, than just yellows. But for trout fishing, I, you know, yellows are hard to beat with the chrom- the chroma pop. Really yeah. makes the the colors pop nice. Now your guides are they all? English speakers? Yeah. Um, generally speaking, when you go to the Bahamas or uh, any of the, you know, Belize or Honduras or any of those countries, you're going to have guides that are pretty well trained if you're going to a major lodge. You know, it doesn't hurt to know a little Spanish or the native language or wherever you're going, but generally the guides are, are pretty good. Uh, communicating with them, though, is a different thing. You know, you want to avoid a few things. You know, I would say... You know, when you get out to fish with the guide, if you're on the front of the boat, he's going to give you a direction, 10 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 11 o'clock, and he's going to give you a distance, uh, 20 feet, 40 feet, 60 feet, whatever that might be. It's a really good idea to kind of have a gauge of his distances before you even get to fish. I would say have him watch a cast, throw your farthest cast, ask him, you know, what he thinks that is. If he says that's 60 feet, you know, when he says 60 feet, you got to cast as much line as you are able to throw it, that's just a good thing to to get you guys on the same page and understand his directions. You know, when he says strip, how far, you know, how long should you be making your strip? You know, some different things that I've, uh, I've seen people have difficulties communicating before with their guide with. And if you're going to tip them, do they want American money? Do they want the local currency? Generally American is the best, you know, anywhere you go. They really prefer that. And it makes it easier for you, less, less to uh, convert. And then if they say two o'clock and you turn around and you're like, which, which two o'clock did they just like, it's always kick you off? The, yeah. They kick you off the you're, boat. Yeah. You're, so my outboard, I have the stealth craft. So the stern becomes the bow. So you're standing next to the outboard and I painted a clock on top of the <laughs> whiteout. 
people are like, why do you have a clock there? And I'm like, well, not everyone knows where three o'clock yeah, is. Yeah, I guess yeah, I, that could be a problem in that kind of boat. Uh, fortunately, I think that's one of the things that uh, hopefully your trip host or uh, you know head guide will kind of go over with you. What other species do you get into? Get like triggerfish, barracuda, shark? Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I got kind of lucky. We went down, last time I was in the Bahamas uh, in April, we, I went out with a good friend of mine and he took me to his super secret uh, spot down on Abaco Island and it turned out he was right. It was absolutely loaded with some triggerfish. And I've never caught a triggerfish on the flats before. I've caught smaller ones up in New Jersey here fishing on some of the reefs in the summer. They are probably my second favorite species now to catch on the fly. I mean, unbelievable fight. The first one I saw, I was able to make a really good cast to about 60 feet. I threw it an EP spawning shrimp. And as he said, throw it right in their face because they don't really see well. So you got to really put it on the nose. He turned it. Mr. Magoo. He turned and ate it. And that fish, we guessed it was about 16 to 18 pounds. It was really a monster. I got Whoa. lucky with that one. I think I showed you the picture. Yeah. And it was just a monster. I, I could not top that fish um, if I tried. And I did try for the rest of that trip. But uh, it, it just fought like an absolute bear. Had my eight weight just bent down into the cork. And uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, we did that. And we caught some sharks down there because they started eating the bonefish. So we started catching the sharks. <laughs> and, uh, we, you know, we caught some lemon sharks. And that was a lot of fun. Anytime you catch something exotic, I think it's pretty uh, pretty cool. Absolutely. Anything that you just don't want. Like, I, I don't want to deal with uh, needlefish ever in salt water. If there's a needlefish going for my fly, I throw it out of its way. Anything you don't want to catch out there uh, that you've, you've learned is just a pain to deal with? The needle, well, blue, <laughs> bluefish are always fun to get off the hook yeah. or land when you're waist deep. But um, I would say the sharks, we got pretty over catching sharks after trying to land a few that got a little hairy when we were about knee deep and you know sharks attract more sharks so it got a little sketchy barracuda definitely on a fly you got to be very careful with i uh last year i was down there uh in abaco with a group and we were out you know kind of just waiting ourselves being one of the guys i uh traveled down with the first day he caught a about a two foot long barracuda and it had it actually had another one of my flies in his mouth. He caught it a second time and hooked it. So I figured I'd try and get the fly back. And that was uh, that was stupid because I ended up opening up my thumb uh, on the first day. So What about injuries when you're out and about and not near? I mean, yeah. are you, if, if there's any major injuries, is there a hospital that fly you to? Do you get like traveler's insurance? Uh, yeah. But, you know, oof, man, if you're doing it yourself, uh, God help you if it's a serious injury. You really have to be prepared. Know some first aid. It could be anything from a hook through your finger to something much worse. So you really want to have, you know, we do it. When we self-guide, we bring a first aid kit, you know, spore and butterfly stitches. Uh, you know, some of the basic stuff. You know, actually, I carry Zappa Gap because that's really good and quick at closing uh, cuts. Um, just, yeah, and have a plan. You know, if you're in a remote place like Honduras or something, just know what your options are if there's an injury. You know, if you don't have cell phone service and you're going to be away for a while, a satellite phone is a good thing to rent. Um, and there's services too, you know, um, that you can subscribe to for uh, medical evacuation and things like that. Yeah, I was on a trip once in the middle of nowhere and this woman fell and broke her arm, had a fever, and none of us had anything to deal with that kind of uh, an emergency. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. Kind of. Yeah, I actually saw like you know almost a worst case scenario. Always a little more prepared now. That yeah, that's really bad. You know, if you're at a, you know if you're staying in a lodge though, I mean they're very good at getting medical uh, attention for somebody if they need to. Any places you wouldn't go back to? Uh, honestly, I can't say there's any place I wouldn't go back to. There's certain places I I would avoid right now, like Brazil. I wouldn't go there right now but other than that i think there's a lot more places i do want to go to before i go back anywhere other than honduras for sure i haven't landed a big rooster fish yet so i absolutely want to plan a rooster fish trip in the next uh year or so here what about non-caribbean trips you got anything crazy lined up Chatka, scotland zimbabwe not no i won't be going to africa anytime soon i 
They, they won't allow you back. <laughs> you get in trouble there. No, I think actually, I think we're going to be pla- we're in the process of planning is a uh, a small group trip in Honduras. There, uh, Flyfish Guanaja is now offering some helicopter trips to some very remote islands that have never been fished. We're uh, in the process of planning a little island hopping trip down in Honduras. Sounds pretty amazing. Pretty excited for that. I do like helicopters. I've, never, I've only been in one. I've never been in one, so. It's fun. It looks pretty cool. Now, what about packing light? Do you have to, you know, backpackers will say they'll cut their toothbrush handle off. And you go into these exotic places. There are weight limits on planes. Ooh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you can run into, I mean, I really try and have everything that I'm bringing down in a backpack, a small compact rod tube, and a little carry-on. If possible, you know, if you're going down to, you know, say an island that's 50 miles off the coast of Central America, you're not bringing a lot of your luxury items. I mean, that sounds like Jurassic Park. Basically, I mean, you're taking three flights, you know, two jungle strips and a boat ride, you know, so there's uh, weight is definitely a concern. Again, breathable clothes that are going to uh, air out pretty quick. Pick what you need. Uh, other than that, I mean. Pack as light as you can. Waterproof gears is very uh, important if you're bringing a, uh, a hip pack or a wading pack. You know, if your stuff gets drowned, uh, that can really uh, put you at a disadvantage. You know, boat bag, if you're bringing uh, any kind of camera equipment, you know, absolutely some waterproof uh, cases and some stuff uh, to dry out, you know, any kind of electronics that do get wet. Do you have just a, a memorized packing list now that you can just Throw your stuff together pretty quickly. Yeah, it pretty much lives uh, in my closet. It's just a box of my flats gear. Nice. So I could pretty much be out in a day's notice. <laughs> One thing I would uh, I would recommend to people who are going on a flats trip, especially if it's their, uh, their first time, is really practice as much as you can. Uh, I think a lot of people uh, might be used to trout fishing or, you know, pretty calm conditions. But I have to say, it is a totally different ball game when you get down and you are just in the middle of a flat and the wind picks up and it's 20 miles an hour, but there's fish that are feeding and really good conditions otherwise. You know, every fish is really, you know, your hard-earned dollars and cents. It costs a, it's not cheap to go down there. You know, practice casting in the wind. Uh, practice your sharpshooting skills. You want to be able to really be able to hit a frisbee at, you know, 50 or 60 feet. That would be my next question. Would you suggest somebody put stuff out on the lawn, use a tape measure to figure out how far things are? And Yeah, absolutely. Do target practice? Absolutely. I mean, you're dealing with fish that move very quickly. So you want to be proficient at getting that line out to a fish 60 feet in one or two shots. You know, every false cast you make it could be 10, 15 feet that these fish are covering, and that's, you know, direction you have to keep adjusting for. Um so that's why I mentioned quick shooting lines before. A lot of people, if they're not used to throwing, you know, heavier eight and ten weight rods, they throw a quick shooter or a outbound type of line much easier, a longer distance to moving fish in a single shot. So practice your your double haul, and then a real big thing is being able to practice or being able to throw a back cast uh, to a fish. If you've got real heavy wind in your face, you want to have that back cast, you know, ready to go if you need to really change direction and throw to your back. Have you ever had someone on a trip and you're just like, man, if I knew they were this bad, I wouldn't have brought them without naming names? Uh, yeah, <laughs> sort of. Yeah, uh, it's, it, it happens. I mean, and it's, it's just uh, a lack of practice, to be completely honest. Some people will buy rods based on reviews or recommendations, but they might uh, not throw that rod very well. Um, that's a big thing, you know. People will get equipment based on what they hear versus how they, how they actually use it. And this is not trout fishing. You know, this is, you know, in calm conditions, uh, if bonefish are tailing in six inches of water, it's a very stealth game. You know, practice casting off your knees. You'll be hunched over. This is very much like bow hunting where it's spot and stalk. So be ready for those kinds of scenarios. So you're crouching down to just less profile kind of like brook trout fishing in the mountains 100 percent, yeah i mean it's like it's like dry fly fishing the trout you don't want to line them you know there might be scenarios where 
we were bone fishing in Abaco. The the trout were very, or the the trout, the bonefish were very spooky. I mean, it was 12, 15 foot leaders and unweighted flies. The mood of the fish determined how far we led them with uh, casting, but sometimes it was 10 feet. You know, so you kind of have to be able to anticipate a moving target and get your fly there before the fish if they're really stealth, uh, really spooky. Are there any books you would suggest people read to prepare themselves for the tips and tactics of flats fishing? Uh, yeah, Chico Fernandez, all his books are very good. Uh, those are kind of what I, I read. And then, you know, I happened to be working in a shop that uh, was extremely experienced in, in these trips and destinations. So I think the most important thing to do is uh, to talk to people who have been to where you're going, you know, whether it's the lodge manager or a local shop or, you know, if you choose to do a, a hosted trip, you know, talking to your host, asking lots of questions, you know, figure out what flies you're going to need. There's a lot of internet forums now, you know, there's a lot of great resources available online. You know, make sure you talk to people who have been there and done it before. What things have you taken down that you you would leave? You know, through the years, you're just like, oh, I can I can leave that, drop that, forget it. Yeah, I would say a lot of the flies. I've got to kind of narrow down to like four bonefish patterns, and you know, three really good shrimp patterns or crab patterns. Because I'm an obsessive tire, I would tie everything that came to mind and load boxes with it, and I would bring down you know, six, seven, you know, fly boxes, you know, on these trips. And it was just, it was more than I needed. You know, I would say figure out what the top three or four shrimp patterns are going to be to the area you're going. And more importantly than having a variety of patterns is, you know, having a good variety of weights. You know, I love the EP spawning shrimp. I've caught, you know, that's what I, I've caught my biggest flats fish on, on that single pattern. And I would say it's best to have those flies in no weight, a uh, small bee chain, medium bee chain, and then maybe a few with lead eyes for deeper water conditions. You know, in all your shrimp patterns, I would have, you know, maybe four different weights. But narrow down the patterns. Um, you don't need to bring seven fly boxes with you. Most of the time, you go down on all these trips, and you end up using the same half dozen flies the entire week. So um, I would tend to overpack way more than I needed to. And then just bring, you know, three or four different spools to tip it, a few liters, and you're good to go. Did you say what pound tippet you like? I think you said 9 to 12 foot length. 9 to 10 foot oh, liters. liters. Um, you know, tippet anywhere from – I my personal preference was uh, CUR Gramax, and I would say anywhere from uh, 10 pound on the bonefish up to uh, 20 pound on, you know, permit. And uh, bigger bonefish that are around more coral and uh, mangrove type of stuff. And then for the sharks and other toothy critters, are you going with a wire tippet or just hoping they don't steal all your flies? Yeah, no, you definitely want to use, uh, you know, 6 to 12 inches of a uh, wire leader for sharks and barracuda. You know, you'll probably have a lot of uh, a lot of shots at barracuda. You know, any, on any flat, you know, that's uh, that's a pretty popular fish. If there's one crazy animal in the world, I'm going to say barracuda. Uh, they're nuts. They're absolutely nuts. Yeah. When they decide that they want to eat, there's nothing that is getting away from those things. Um, you know, we've seen some real beasts out there, too. I mean, that's that's why these bonefish are so fast, you know, especially a big one. That's a fish that's survived by, uh, you know, out-swimming sharks and barracuda. You know, I don't know what the, uh, the actual numbers are on uh, how fast those things swim, but... I mean, they have explosive speed and power. Fantastic. Anything else on the southern waters before we go into Douglaston? Let's see. Uh, you know, if you're planning your first trip, there's a lot of options. You know, you can do uh, decide if you're going to do a, a group trip or a, a do-it-yourself mixed in with some uh, some guiding or if you just want to go to an all-inclusive lodge. A lot of great resources online. You know, take advantage of the fly fishing shows. Uh, the fishing expos, there's a lot of great lodges uh, that go to those shows, and you can talk to them one-on-one -on -one and uh, get some great information that way. Who's got the best opera fishing beverage? 
Ooh, best fishing beverage. Yeah, when you're done with the day, best cocktail or best cold beer. Uh, I, you know, I um, there's something nostalgic about the Caliques down in the Bahamas that I uh, I really enjoy. Just you know, knowing you're getting back to the dock, whether it was a good day or a bad day or a great day, you've got a few of those ones waiting for you on ice. The Salva Vida. Uh, down in Honduras was pretty awesome too. That actually translates to uh, save your life. <laughs> so we uh, we enjoyed plenty of those down there too. All right, let's switch gears. Let's talk about your your new dig. So you started with Douglas. How, how long ago? Uh, after, right after the Somerset show, uh, we I came on to uh, manage sales nationally, and it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun. We're launching some really exciting rods right now. We've got some fantastic rods in the works that I'm just really excited about. We'll be premiering a lot of those at the uh, ICAST show this summer down in Orlando in July. So we've uh, it's been a lot of fun so far, getting the name out there. You know, working with uh, consumers and guides and lodges. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. We're actually going to uh, the FTEX, the European Fly and Tackle Show in Amsterdam next week. So we'll get to launch the uh, Sky Series over there to our distributors. So we're looking forward to that. It, it's a job that's going to uh, get me all over the country and you know different parts of the world. So looking forward to uh, to getting out there. Sounds like a pretty sweet gig if you get all that travel in there too. It, it yeah, it's pretty cool. It's a little hectic, but I uh, I enjoy traveling a lot and getting to see different parts of the country that I haven't seen yet and experiencing it through uh, fly fishing makes it that much better. Yeah. And so this is about going into the third year that Douglas has been on the market. Uh, the rods of, yeah, about going into like the fourth year now uh, okay. with the sky series right now, we've currently had out the DXF series, the DHF, um, the upstream and the LRS, which is our value rod. <laughs> Pimp, pimp my, all right, so the upstream, you're the rod pimp. The, uh, and you know, all these rods, credit will go to, uh, as far as the design and how much fun they are to fish, goes to our rod designer, Fred Cantawi. You know, I'll start with the LRS. That's our Lake River Sea rod. That was really you know, inspired by Great Lakes uh, salmon and steelhead fishing. It's your 10-foot uh, single-hand rod that switches actually over to a, a switch rod by unscrewing the handle and, and screwing in an extension um, and that comes in a six through a 10 weight. Um, that's $150 great value, you know, lifetime warranty on them. Um, then we have our DHF, which is the next one up. Uh, that's a full series of single hand trout rods, uh, switch rods and spay rods. Uh, that's a, a unique IM seven blank and uh, uses some proprietary resins and uh, comes in, you know, well under $250. It's a great value for anybody looking to uh, get into uh, fly fishing. Uh, moving up, we have the DXF series, which uses our proprietary X matrix technologies. Um, the weight to strength ratio and sensitivity is really incredible in these rods. We've got some pretty unique uh, lengths and weights, uh, especially in our nymphing rods. Our, you know, 10-foot and 11-foot rods have really taken off the past few years, uh, especially with the popularity of European-style nymphing, uh, the competition nymphing. Uh, they're Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Really the lightest rods you're going to find on the market for that, and they've just got unbelievable uh, sensitivity. And part of that comes from uh, the resins and uh, epoxies that we've developed that really came out of the aerospace industry. and they just really transmit every single feeling and bump and uh, and rock <laughs> that's on the other end of your line. Uh, when you, you had a, a pretty cool story about the 
airplane industry bit. Is that something you can see on the podcast, or is that like hush hush for next to the casting pond at Lancaster? No, uh, well, no, you know, those are proprietary technologies um, that came out of uh, you know satellite technologies that you know again these are really designed to transmit uh, vibration and uh, be lightweight and extremely strong. So when you apply those to uh, a fly rod, you get really all the best qualities that you could ask for um, in a material like that. And you see that now uh, in the Sky series. You know, we've combined that kind of technology with some really unique carbons, and we've got that combined with the new Fuji Torzai Titanium components. Uh, and you've got a rod that is probably one of the most effortless casting rods um, you've ever thrown. It's extremely light, and it recovers really fast. When you lighten up the components and you put titanium uh, single-foot guides um, on a rod blank, it allows that rod to recover so much quicker um, and dampen so much quicker that you get very tight loops. You've got extremely accurate tracking, and there's just no slop whatsoever in it. Each rod in that series has uh, a real unique action to it designed you know, for that line weight and for the target species, you know, you'd be going for with that line and, and those modern fly lines. Um, so they're really just a fun rod to fish with and make it just a, a better experience for casters. It's uh, it's pretty cool. I like lightweight and I like the recovery. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing. I mean, every rod is a little bit different. The trout rods are going to bend and have a, you know, more moderate action further down into the blank towards the, the butt. And as you move up towards the saltwater action rods, the seven weight, the eight weight, you know, all the way through 12 weight, uh, you're getting much faster towards the tips. Um, you know, those are designed to, to double haul and really throw uh, accurate tight loops, you know, in the toughest conditions. And uh, they do it really, really well. Uh, Fred Cantali spent many years uh, designing that series of rods really refined it before uh, before he was ready to, to launch it and release it. So uh, it's really been dialed in. There's some really incredible reviews. I don't know if you got, got a chance to read the reviews I sent you over earlier today. Oh, man, I mean, my day is crazy. <laughs> I spent the morning walking the Sino Canal with some homeless guy from Texas who was fishing for sustenance. Oh. And I like he found his spinning rod somewhere. His weight was made out of a rock. He's like, yeah, man, if I find a hook, um, I can eat dinner for the night. Oh, boy. So I just unloaded like a box of flies on him. And I'm like, I'll, I'll come back, you know, two days. I'll give you my old spinning rod. So I, I was out there all morning. And then, oh, man. Well, I, yeah, I just run around yeah, yeah. taking my daughter fishing. And kind of here. So, no, we got to, I sent you over some of the reviews. I mean, we've been getting yeah. some fantastic reviews from, uh, you know, some pretty high profile shops and, uh, you know, fly fishermen and uh, writers. So, uh, you know, right now our X Matrix or DXF series has been winning the Yellowstone Angler Shootout uh, for best mid-price rod in the five weight for, I think, going on three years now. And that five and six weight are their ultimate mid-price package that they have. And then our six and seven weight are in their uh, ultimate six and seven weight packages because they really uh, have tested that route out against, you know, pretty much everything in the industry. And uh, finally uh, they found their, their ultimate uh, seven weight and six weight in the sky series. So pretty exciting for us. I still don't get seven weights. I'd rather have a six and an eight. Yeah. I mean, I'm a weird, I just find seven weights just like an odd, I don't know. Something about him, it, it just it bothers me. It's 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 because I'm got messed up brains and it's something quirky about a seven weight. I'm like, why not just bump up and get an eight? Uh, I mean, if you're just doing a certain kind of fishing, I you know I like a seven weight for steelhead and I like it for lower wind bone fishing. You know, if there's not a huge wind, I'll try and bring a seven weight. And streamer fishing, you know, if you're going for big browns, I like a seven weight a lot, uh, especially our sky. That's it's an incredible rod. Actually, our sky seven weight feels more like a most people's six weight at this point. The way people are designing and uh, labeling fly rods. So you might like our seven weight a lot. But uh, 
I think it's more for steelhead and smallmouth bass and stuff like that. All right. And then uh, what rod is next? Do we cover them all? Uh, all four? Sky? Sky, DXF we talked about, DHF. So the Sky is going to be – we have the Sky available in uh, all your standard nine-foot lengths, the uh, nine-foot three-weight through 12-weight. And then, again, in that series, we've got the uh, 10-foot – two, three, and four weight, and then the 11 foot, three and four weight. So some specialty. Niche rods. Yeah, uh, but they've been extremely popular. I mean, I've got shops telling me that the 10 foot fours in certain uh, areas are out selling nine foot five weights. I mean, uh, it is a pretty good utility trout rod if you're doing a lot of uh, nymph fishing. Most people are fishing subsurface for a good portion of the year, so these rods will still throw a dry fly really, really well. Wasn't there some itty bitty little rod I picked up at Lancaster? Yes, the upstream. That's what I had to tell you about next. That's, yeah. that's one of my favorite rods. So the upstream is designed to be, um, a traditional casting rod. It uses a real low modulus graphite and spigot ferrules to create a real bamboo like action. Um, yet it still recovers quickly. You can throw a tight loop with it. Um, and it's one of the lightest rods in the market under, I think the heaviest rod, um, the eight, eight, four weight is, um, uh, 1.4 ounces. So we've got them in two, four and six piece, you know, the six piece, uh, seven foot upstream breaks down into about a 12 inch tube, you know, 12, 14 inch tube. So, um, you know, if you like hiking and getting into the backcountry, it's uh, it's a really a fun rod to uh, to fish for, fish with. Yeah, they could take that thing anywhere. You mean like your wife won't know you you take it on vacations and stuff? No, absolutely not. I mean, it's a uh, it's a fun little rod. You can uh, stick it in the backpack, carry it right onto your plane. It takes up uh, no space, no no weight to it, and uh, it's it's a really fun rod to fish with. And then you also make fly reels? We do. We've got the Argus series, which is a traditional click check reel that is being manufactured up in Buffalo, New York. Uh, one of the uh, you know specialties of uh, Barclay family is machining, and uh, we're able to do our own machining in-house um, on these. So uh, we're doing that. And then we've got the Nexus series of reels, which is a uh, – fully sealed carbon drag reel we have available in uh three four weight uh five six weight and a seven eight weight right now and we're working on some bigger uh sealed drag systems for big game type fishing and uh do you get a good product test those yeah i've been uh i've been fortunate enough to test those reels on bonefish tarpon and permit and they they hold up really well (laughs) awesome so For those that do you want to talk talk about the background of the Barclays of the the salmon run and and how all this just kind of came to fruition? So the Barclay family's had the Douglas and Salmon Run in the family for I believe nine generations now. Uh, they've been very heavily involved in conservation uh, in upstate New York. Really done a great job of bringing that river back to life. You know, back in the seventies, it was really a you know, a toxic mess. And you've been there, you know, in the last few years and, uh, we've got a, an excellent, uh, salmon run of King salmon, cohos, you know, actually just today, uh, Jay Peck, uh, one of the guys on the salmon river caught an eight pound Atlantic salmon on our nine foot five weight DXF. So that was pretty exciting. Oh man. Uh, Atlantic's are on my bucket list. Well, you can do it there. I mean, they've been getting more and more of them every year right on the, uh, the salmon river. Um, he was small, he was throwing smallmouth streamers, you know, you can get lucky. It's a great, you know, a lot of people associate it with, uh, you know, the fall salmon and, uh, fall and winter steelhead, but it's a great, you know, summer smallmouth fishery. Uh, there's really, really nice brown trout in there year round. Yeah. I think it's going to be getting more and more popular for that, that fishery as well. Are, are there going to be the, they selling rods like in the, maybe set up like a little shop in the parking lot? Yeah. <laughs> How are they going to market them to the people that fish that property? 
Well, all the uh, all the local fly shops up there. You go to like, Tailwater Lodge, Belinda's, Whitaker's. Um, they're all carrying uh, the Douglas fly rods and conventional rods. The other thing we do is uh, the conventional rods. So we've got you know longer noodle rods for that type of fishing, uh, but we also have a really advanced series of uh, spinning and casting rods that are really uh, developed through uh, Fred Cantawi and our pro staff and their, uh, their background in tournament bass fishing. So we've got a really exciting line of really tournament-grade uh, spinning and casting bass rods. Um, so it's, uh, it's catching on. You know, we're building our pro staff. You know, we've got guys on the FLW tour like uh, Jimmy Reese that are helping us to develop, you know, new series of rods. We've got a lot of guides that are, you know, we're working with to develop, you know, some new series and some additions uh, to current, you know, rod series that are out there now. Um, we've got the Upstream Plus, which is really exciting. That's a nine foot, four, five, and a six weight upstream rod in a little bit faster action with an uplocking reel seat. Uh, you can fish the bigger water. So uplocking, that's something we haven't seen in a couple of years. Yes. No, maybe I'm thinking of downlocking. <laughs> now I'm thinking of downlocking. Never mind. I was had my old Cortland rods out for a group trip the other day. <laughs> I was like, man, you don't see this too yeah, much. Yeah, downlocking, you don't really see that much. That's what I meant. Not Most uplocking. people actually prefer the uplocking. That's, uh, you know, when we talk to people. But uh, it's um, it's going to be that really ultra, you know, lightweight design, but traditional uh, action. So we're pretty excited to, to bring that out and some other cool rods that I can't quite announce yet, but. Uh, we've got a lot of a lot of great things in the works for the next uh, next months and years here. Fantastic. Hopefully, I'll be up uh, on the Salmon River in the next few weeks. And you said how far? That's three hours for you? Uh, it's about four hours from New Jersey. Four? Four hours or so. Have you eaten at the Tailwaters Lodge? I have several times. It is uh, yeah, very good. That, that's some, some good eating. That uh, those onion rings. I'll just order that for oh, dinner man. next time. There, everything in there. I haven't had a. I have not had a bad meal at all in there. Everything's been fantastic. So I, I enjoy going up there. And then we have the uh, you know the properties that you can rent right on the uh, the Douglas and Salmon Run, the the Salmon River houses. So um, it's a lot of fun. And for those that aren't familiar, that's it's the first couple of miles, so you're getting fish that yeah. may have never even seen a fisherman before. Before they're up top and they've been bombarded with yeah, you know, <laughs> plugs and lures and flies for a week. Yeah, no, they don't look like Christmas trees when they come out of the lake. Um, these, uh, no, you're getting the first uh, three miles, three and a half miles of uh, the Salmon River. It's very well maintained. There's limited numbers of people, so you're getting uh, you know better access, better fishing experience. And you're getting fresh fish right out of the estuary, whether it's salmon or steelhead. That's uh, that's the first piece of river they hit before they move up. It's it's pretty nuts the quality of fishing you can get down in there. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. I mean, you can have some really really incredible days, and uh, it's a great place to swing flies and uh, work on your spay casting. And for sure, do you do you just call and be like, "Yo, I'm coming up," and they're like, All right, "Like they just you have the." Uh, <laughs> Like the annual pass, and you're just like I'm, I'm walking. I kind of, I, am up there quite a bit for work, so I kind of oh, know the guys. It's uh, <laughs> one of the perks, I guess, of uh, of working up there. All right. So, no, it's it's a lot of fun. We could do a a separate podcast just on uh, salmon river fishing. Oh yeah, yeah. If I get up this year, it'll be November. Hoping to do the. Heal on Waters trip again. Yeah, let me know when you're going to be up there for sure. I'm uh, yeah. up there quite a bit. So we do. Uh, we actually have our salmon camp that we host in October. So we'll be. Uh, I'll be up there for a few weeks this October. Good times. Now the salmon are. I've read some articles that their numbers are decreasing because they're, they've eaten all the alewives, and that there's just not as many. And some hatcheries might just really stop stocking them because. They have nothing to eat. They're not going to grow in return. Um, yeah, there's some issues with the allies, and you know, there, I know the last two years they've had some some problems with the uh, the numbers of allies impacting the the steelhead. So I'm not quite an expert on that topic, 
But I know the steelhead fishing has been getting uh, better. There was a slow, you know, it was a pretty bad year. Um, and that was, I guess, directly related to the amount of alewives that the steelhead were eating. Um, you know, as far as the salmon, I've heard all sorts of different theories as far as, you know, there was that one generation that got wiped out um, the by flood. the flood because it's a four-year cycle. So I'm, you know, I'm not sure, you know, of, of what's uh, of what's caused the issues up there. But I know there, uh, last year was definitely much better than the year before. So I think it'll be, uh, I think it'll be a good fall run. It's like everyone you talk to has got a different theory. Like, oh, the weather was cold or the wind was blowing this way all through March. Yeah, the lake was frozen extra deep or, you know, uh, name a thing that, you know, global warming. I don't know. I mean, there's, you know, there's, there's a lot of different theories out there. Right. You, know, you talk to people up there and you hear one thing and you, know, you talk to a biologist here or something totally different. So yep. who knows? But I think it's been, get, it'll be, it's been getting better. I wish it was closer. I do too. We had salmon stocked here in the Potomac. They just never lived. That was the problem. <laughs> when did they stock salmon in the Potomac? Oh, 1870? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I thought you went recently. <laughs> no, no. I was 100 years before I was oh, there. Oh, jeez. We got the goldfish. They don't really run, but they hang out by the sewage out. You got snakeheads. Yeah, dude. We had one the other day right off the side of the boat. And my client was putting on sunscreen, and I, I don't think he understood how rare it is to have a snakehead just kind of sitting there that close. Uh, I, was, I wanted to just, like, smack the sunscreen out of his hand. <laughs> like, if someone's going to drink, like, a poison drink in a movie and you slap it out of their hand, <laughs> I wanted to be, like, smack it and just be like, throw the fly. Oh, uh, did he catch it? No, it swam off. We tried following it, but they blend in. And then, yeah, they're they're sneaky little bastards. <laughs> we gotta try that next time we get down there. So, where can we find you online if people want to contact you? If they're a, a guide or outfitter, sure. Uh, and yeah, but also, where can just the average listener yeah. find Douglas? Anybody can, uh, you know, email is the easiest thing. Um, D McKenna at Douglas Outdoors. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram, fishing with Douglas Outdoors, or uh, Douglas Outdoors is a uh, direct Instagram page. And then also on Facebook, you can look up Douglas Outdoors. Um, we have a separate page for the bass fishing. Uh, yeah, feel free to... Got to segregate us. Well, two different cultures there. Yeah. For sure. You'll see that at iCast. Yeah, I mean, it's like two separate shows, basically. Just the clothing. I was walking through the regular section. Someone's like, yeah, you got khakis and plaid. You must fly fish. Yeah. <laughs> And then you get down there, and it's just like a sea of plaid and khakis and dirty ball caps. Yeah, then you get to the iCast side, and it's... Uh, Everyone's got their starched shirts and jeans, and... Oh, boy. It's going to be fun. Yeah. We just, got our, uh, we just got our mobile showroom RV rigged up, so I'll be doing uh, cross-country trips this summer. Fun. Should be fun. Should, uh... I'll be down in your area again pretty soon. You have to jump in. Very cool. Yeah, we'll have to take the boat out. Yeah. It's rigged up and ready to go. Yeah. So we, uh, no relation to Steve McKenna from the Drinking Made Easy shows? No, but he would be a fun person to be related to. Yeah. There's an actual adjective called being mckenna Yeah, I've heard that. <laughs> yep. That's pretty accurate. <laughs> I'm hoping Zane Lamprey calls me up to go fishing when he's in town. Because he fishes. Three Sheets guy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Great show. Yep. So yeah, he did Drinky Made Easy, and then yeah, he's got it pretty good too. Yeah. That's a drinking for a living. I love it. All right. Well, very cool. I appreciate the time and the education you've given us all. Yeah. No. Thanks for having me. I uh, I appreciate it, and look forward to uh, doing some more podcasts with you. I'll be at literally every single fly fishing show in the upcoming year, and uh, down your way again. So sure we could both uh talk for hours about all things fly fishing all right rob well i will uh talk to you soon i appreciate uh you having me on again absolutely man all right have a good night take it easy cheers thank you for joining us for the fly fishing consultant podcast for more information or to contact rob please go to 
www.robsnowwhite.com. want to succeed you want to fish you want to be one of the greatest tune in to west marines life on the water presented by costa custom boats every saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m eastern on waypoint tv pursuing wild game in wild places tune in to hunt stand presents saturdays at 8 30 p.m eastern waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment Spend your Saturdays with life on the water. Join Captain Brandon Simmons for fishing, diving, travel, and so much more. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Oh, look at that thing, dude. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Let's see what kind of trouble we can get into today. Don't miss life on the water. Every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. <laughs> the destination for outdoor entertainment. <laughs> 